Before we start today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we start Your Power in a matter of days, and I am simply bursting at the seams with excitement. Your Power is my signature three-month program that dives into the core framework of my teachings, which is brain, body, and behavior. This course is going to change your life. That is without a shadow of a doubt the truth. This course I spent almost three years building, refining, researching, and creating based on my own personal development journey, based on what I have observed and what I have learnt. And what I have discovered is the key to creating the life of your dreams. This course is all you will ever need to know when it comes to personal development, when it comes to being the best version of yourself. It's where science meets high-level mentorship. It's where you will get to see the undeniable evidence of how everything that you desire can become your reality. It's where you get to experience learning that is badass, it is potent, it is intimate, and it's just fucking fun. This course is everything that you will ever need to know about being the best version of yourself and creating the best version of your life. Your power kicks off on the 5th of June and doors will be closing, meaning you will not have the opportunity to join or take part in the course until the next round. If the timing isn't aligned for you this time, that is okay. I will see you in the next round or whenever the time is right. But I want you to know that this three months is going to change the way you see and do life forever. So if everything else is aligned and it is merely the fear of the unknown holding you back, don't let it get to the next round and it be a wish that you did it sooner. Welcome, gorgeous human, to Your Power Podcast. My name is Em Rose and I am a business, brain health and personal development coach. I combine the passion that I have for science-based personal development with the experience that I have in business, and every day I get to work with powerful humans who want to create big, bold lives. I am here to educate you on the innate systems, processes, and functions that got me to where I am today. Those being the power of your brain, the profound functions of your body, and the compounding behaviors that we can use to leverage them. I am encouraging change in the narrative of what it means to create a big life. And that is by choosing to instead focus on the science of small behaviors. I educate on the tools behind the tools. I remove the bullshit. I'm here to make science sexy and I'm here to make caring about your brain and body badass. Most importantly, I'm here to show you how achieving everything that you have ever wanted for your life gets to be fucking easy. Hello, gorgeous human, and welcome to this very special two-part guest episode with the beautiful Tara Elizabeth. Now, you may have had the pleasure of having Tara's gorgeous face pop up on your TikTok for you page with her ADHD content or her hilarious videos with her partner, Barry. But if not, I can guarantee that you will want to go and binge watch her content after this interview. 
Tara is an ADHD mindset and personal development coach with a mission to educate and empower those with ADHD. She educates them on the skills and the knowledge to transform their struggles into power and success. Tara is an incredible mentor with a platform of over 1 million on TikTok and 100,000 on Instagram. And I am also incredibly fortunate to actually call her one of my private clients. In this interview, we start the chat getting to know Tara as the business owner. We chat to her about her journey with TikTok and building her audience and how she actually came to see that what she had and the education she held was going to help hundreds of thousands of people. Then we will go into part two where we chat to Tara as the ADHD expert. She gives us some really, really powerful education around the ADHD space, including what it is, the different types of ADHD, common misconceptions around ADHD, and of course, her personal journey before and after her diagnosis. I know without a shadow of a doubt, you are going to love her almost as much as I do. So without further ado, I introduce you to the powerhouse that is Tara Elizabeth. All right. Welcome, Tara. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm just like, I feel like my whole world has just been you the last couple of days because I've just done like the deep dive into your business and all everything in your business. And now I'm interviewing you and I'm like, my life is Tara the last few days. And it's great. I'm loving it. I've been harassing you in Voxer, but <laughs> that's what you're for. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for being here. I do like to start um, all kind of episodes with basically just really wanting to get a sense of where you've come from and who you are. And I think the best way to prompt that answer is to ask what was younger Tara like and what were you like? Um, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Sorry. I feel like that's such a big question because young Tara was crazy, <laughs> like to just put it simply. <laughs> For like a little bit of context, like I was kind of like kindly asked, well, my parents were kindly asked me to leave from my preschools. Um, I changed primary schools like I think it was like five or six times purely just down to like behavioural ADHD kind of stuff. Um my mom has like a full history of like amazing, hilarious stories. I think the best one was Maybe like we'll get her on in, for the next interview. <laughs> yeah, I was I was um in Kmart or something, and I impulsively decided that I was like four at the time, and I wanted this like pink outdoor like plastic table and chair setting, and mom had said no, and yeah, I obviously didn't take that well. So then I decided to drag that through the shopping center. Um, <laughs> crying and screaming so I never got to go shopping again until I was like <laughs> an older child so I was yeah anyway that's basically young Tara when it came to like what I wanted to be when I grew up it was I've always had like big dreams I even remember like I wanted to be like a hotel owner like I just thought like the sky was the limit like I just wanted to mm. be like anything big basically yeah I just didn't I never wanted to be um I guess like your typical job never really like put that burning desire in me, but yeah. 
Mm. Anything creative and fun. So yeah, that was me. Yeah. And was it always like a, it was always a like business vibe? Was it something that you always wanted to kind of do your own business? Um, Honestly, not really. I think the core of like what I wanted to do was like, so when I was really, really young, I had those like desires, like being an astronaut, like, you know what I mean? But then as I got into like late childhood, early teenage years, that was where like, I think just which I'm sure we'll get into, like kind of like where I was and what I'd been through is I I think I felt like I needed help and I wasn't getting the help that I needed. So then I became the helper for everyone else. And so then mm. I think that like kind of both in an unhealthy but then now a healthy way, like built that desire to want to help others and like see others yeah. grow and see others thrive. So um, it then kind of turned into that. So then I was passionate about like, advocacy like when I was in early high school I was doing a lot of advocacy sorry like late high school um and then yeah then I kind of like went down the psychology route which I didn't know I'd go down but yeah Mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of it yeah yeah I love it and it's so like the perfect setup to what you're doing now right it's just like the perfect journey and perfect explanation as to what you're doing which why don't you tell us about tell tell me about tara elizabeth and the the business that you've created yeah well i think it kind of goes into like what you just asked me like was it what did i always see myself running my own business and the answer was no i grew up in a family with my dad was like you do schoolwork, you do your HSC, you go to uni, you get your government safe job and you do that. Like you progress Mm. up the ladder. And I felt like I always had that like wanting to like obviously make him proud and like make my parents proud. And I I just had that drilled into me that that was like the successful route. So um, yeah, like I guess the question's twofold because like I thought that that was the case and I thought that's what I was doing. Like I went to uni for five, I think it was six years, five or six years and I got the degree um, and then COVID hit and then that was actually what gave me kind of like a bit of time to just pause and kind of go, I think it gave everyone that opportunity, but it gave me that moment to be like, what do you, like, what do you want to do? And that was where I like started exploring just like, posting my story on TikTok. And at that time, I was kind of just sharing just my personal journey. It was never like a business. I was never strategizing to like create a business, basically. Mm. I was simply just sharing my story in all facets. So my story in terms of like mental health struggles, eating struggles, like everything was kind of just being shared. And then I felt like I was stepping into that, um, that I guess having a voice and helping other people have their voice, but I hadn't like kind of, it's not so much niche down, but I hadn't found the one thing that I was wanting to kind of like speak on. And we've had lots of conversations around this where like I felt like my brand or like my identity, my brand identity was kind of very scattered for a long time. And it was a bit like, it was like a bunch of like fragmented pieces. And I felt almost like, I wanted to do all of them, but I knew that almost like it wasn't that I had to pick one, but I had to figure out which one was like my core calling or like the one thing that I was like super passionate about that was also, I guess, good for my my life and my mental health to to speak about. So it was really good timing because once I'd finished my degree, Sorry, this is a really long-winded answer, but once I finished my <laughs> no, degree, <that's> great. <laughs> once I'd finished my degree, um, my housemate actually said to me, 
because we kept having the same conversation every single morning. Like she would be down in the kitchen. I'd be like, hey, what are you doing today? And I would zone out immediately and then she'd tell me what she was doing. And then I'd be like, oh, so what are you up to today? And then that would go on for like four or five times. And then that happened every morning. And she just like kind of cracked it at me one morning. She's like, dude, you need to go and see someone. Like you are never present in a conversation. Like you're not focused. You're this, that. And I I was like, yeah, like I guess that's true. But like I know I have ADHD, but like surely that's not really ADHD. Anyway, so I went to get my diagnosis. I got my diagnosis, which we will get into or I'll kind of explore a bit more in a second. But that was when that was around the same time where I was like posting on TikTok and I was like exploring like what I wanted to do. And so I kind of just started taking people on the journey. And then that's where I kind of discovered this whole big community of people that were also on that journey and also starting that journey and really kind of like not sure where to go or what the next step was. And then also just sharing my experiences, what I was learning about myself. And then that's kind of like, I guess, where we've landed right now, (laughs) which is like having a brand that's like about not only raising awareness about ADHD, um, but also kind of like giving people both like resources, tips, tricks, hacks, like all of that kind of stuff to kind of understand it. So that's, I guess, where we've landed. And I'm super passionate about it. But yeah. yeah, as you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I love it. And I, I love the fact that it was all just you had this idea to, you know, share your journey and jump on and whilst you were navigating the challenges yourself, actually help people navigate them in the moment as well. And I mean, it's paid off. You've now got over a million yeah. followers on your TikTok. You've got half a million on yours and Barry's and 90,000 on Instagram. Like what was it? you know, especially in COVID, I mean, that's when TikTok really peaked, but what was it you were like, you know what, this is a, this is a good idea. Like I need to kind of get on TikTok and this is something that I would do. Yeah. I think as much as I would love to give credit to my own brain for being like, this is a good idea. I can see that, you know, I can turn this into a business. I think it kind of really just comes down to like what we've spoken about is it's like having that like when you're authentically yourself or when you're in that like, I guess, self-integrity, whether that's, I guess, for me at that stage, I was struggling with my ADHD because I was just learning about it. But like even that was attracting people because other people, it's not that I was validating them, but it was a sense of validation. And it was also a sense of like people have found their their home or like their person. And yeah, so I think like, yeah, like I said, as much as I'd love to say that it was like a great idea, um, it was more so just I was being my authentic self and I knew that like I've always known and I always used to make jokes that like I'm sitting in my like psych lectures and stuff, drawing and like watching, making random stuff on my computer, like in Canva and stuff simply just because like I like my, I have such a creative bone and I needed to let that out and I think that's what TikTok became for me is like this creative outlet that like instead of just sitting in front of a screen and telling a story, I got to create all these different videos or or all these different ways of like kind of sharing the same story but not just sharing the story, like bringing people in to the story and I think that's like the part that people resonate with so much. Like they feel like they, they are in the video, like that's how they feel. So Yeah. And I think like, I guess in terms of like a business perspective, like that's where now I've been able to see, like, 
I've been able to see the ways that like a funny video can really invite people in to the journey and they can feel validated and they can feel seen, which is so important for people with ADHD and the neurodiverse community because we've been invalidated for such a long time, right? So it actually is a really, really important part of the journey to have that validation, to have that part where it's like, hey, it's really hard. And you, it, there's not just one area of ADHD that's hard, but it's having the understanding that it's hard. The first part, that's the validation. You mm. actually need that because when you've gone, like I said, the 25 years, you need the validation, but then you also need that like, okay, let's not stay stuck then. Like let's not, it doesn't, I think we've had these conversations. It doesn't have to be hard learning about it. It can be easy, but it is hard at the moment because there is so much random information out there and it's not done in a succinct way. So that's my goal is to make that process of we're going to validate through the content and we're going to get people to feel seen. But then it's like, okay, now we're going to stop that next situation that happens around, I guess, being overwhelmed by the information yeah. that's out there and then going, okay, let's give people a really clear way to kind of like, I guess not fix, but like manage their ADHD in different areas. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what point did it turn for you where you went from, I guess, building a community and and having a space of of just sharing kind of, I guess, lighthearted and funny and relatable content? What was the what was the moment where you were like, I can make a business out of this, or this is what I want to do? Yeah. So it actually, I guess, once COVID had finished or not finished, but once COVID had kind of like we'd gotten out of the heat of it, I had to decide what I was doing from a career perspective because I had obviously built up this amazing following and community, um, but I also had a degree sitting there, right, that I'd paid. I don't even know what exactly I paid for it, but I've probably paid sixty dollars to $70,000 for that degree, right? So you, had, you have a double degree, don't you? So... I have yeah. um I, I have my honors so that was like another fee on top of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of money there, but it was just a really fine line between like deciding, hey, I can go and do this really like like I can go be a psychologist. I can continue doing going down that route and going and doing clinical psychology and whatnot. Um, but something about that didn't feel authentic to to my character because. It didn't allow me, I knew that that kind of job necessarily wasn't necessarily going to allow me to have that creativity or like share my personal experiences. And that was something I was really passionate about is having that real personal approach of like, Mm. hey, this is my journey. Let's like, let's do this together. Whereas like, I guess with mainstream psychology, you can't necessarily as a psychologist go out and share your story. You can't use that to get clients. So there was an aspect of that that just didn't feel like me. It works for a lot of people. It didn't feel like me. So then I was battling for a really long time because obviously I, I'd been in that education space and I'd, I'd actually seen, unfortunately, a lot of like not great conversations around, I guess, life coaches and coaching mm-hmm. and that industry, um, I guess, because it's an un, like a, a not regulated industry. You don't technically mm-hmm. have to I mean, it's not technically, you actually don't have to have any qualifications. Um, And so that's where I was going from like a really, what would the word be? Like I came from a very education-based 
situation where the conversations were looking at, at industries like the coaching industry and going, like there was a lot of not great conversations basically. And so I had a lot of, um, I guess, inner turmoil where I was like, I, I want to help people and I can do it in a coaching way. I can do it in building programs, but that means I'm going to have to call myself a coach. And I really had to like understand that. And it was actually like having you as my coach where I was like, holy crap, coaching is so different to what I thought it was. It's so different to what I thought it was. And it is probably the most like impactful experience I've literally ever had. It's not to say that psychologists and psychiatrists don't serve a purpose, but in terms of like actual like changing my life, it's changed my life. And that's been my experience. So having that experience and actually like coming to you and having you as my mentor and coach has like given me that opportunity to go, okay, this is what I want to be for other people. Like I want to give other people this transformation. So when I came to you, I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to be doing in terms of like, like I was kind of winging it. Um, but I really do have like a real clear direction around like what kind of like business model I kind of want to take it down. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. It's so cool that you you know, without even kind of probably realizing it in the moment, but now you're in a place where it's like, yeah, I did have all of these kind of background, um, I guess, beliefs of the coaching industry and what it was mm. and having got to experience it, now it's like, oh, I actually was able to kind of move through a lot of that and, and yeah. get to where you are now, which is a fucking badass coach. So yeah. it's really cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to like kind of what I was saying in terms of like the the thing that attracts people to coaches is their journey, right? So like I mm. I see I saw your journey and it inspired me and that's why I hired you as a coach. And that's the similar sense with like I want people to see my journey and see that it's possible and see my story and go, "Hey, if she can do it, I can do it and I can learn from her." Whereas that's where I feel like that psychology I guess aspect is a bit harder because like you don't know mm. those personal you don't know the personal journey around your psychologist you don't actually yeah. and I think that's where it's like that it's not to say it's a bad thing it's just to say it's different and it's I yeah. really resonate with personal like if they can do it I can do it right so mm -hmm. that's been that's been a really cool thing to kind of like unpack and be able to see the power in that so yeah yeah, I love that. That's cool. And and what is the, I guess, bigger picture vision for the business and yourself as a coach? I was hesitant to like answer this, but like I think when I really think about like what I want, I think I want it to start. I just want to like the core of it is I want people to be able to understand their ADHD in a really effortless and easy way and affordable way. But then also understand how to then educate others. And I think that's mm. where like I both want to be the coach, but then also like the educator and the teacher. And so like for me, it's going to be that mix between like that real personal approach, which is like the one-on-one -on -one coaching and the group programs and the courses where people get that like learning or like even one-on-one -on -one access. Then like bigger picture, I have always wanted to do this. Um I love, I shouldn't say I love public speaking. I love the impact that public speaking can have. I don't love public mm -hmm. speaking. I was a school captain <laughs> and I still nearly pooped my pants every time. 
Um, but I do love public speaking and I think I would love to be able to like kind of go into schools and like chat to kids about ADHD and primarily because that's the age you want to catch it, right? That's mm-hmm. the age where like a lot of kids, their parents may not understand ADHD, but if they've got the tools to be able to recognize it and kind of implement strategies and like even just around food and exercise and natural ways of coping with it, that's where it's like the education piece is going to be so powerful because there's so many risk factors involved with like going undiagnosed or even just going untreated. So for me, I would love to go into the schools and be able to like start the conversation around neurodiversity and ADHD and then, yeah, potentially write a book one day. <laughs> yeah, I love it. If I can I love sit it. down long enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it. it's um it's really cool to see that, you know, you are, I guess, having a look at social media and having a look at TikTok in the last few years, it's kind of like ADHD has had has had this surge of conversation. And, you know, I know something that we have been working through and we've been talking about is your ability to, I guess, create the authority and, and create the path because this isn't mm-hmm. something that is common or done before. How are you finding that in terms of like stepping into becoming a leader in the ADHD space? Look, I think I think anyone with ADHD would know that when you've been invalidated your whole life and you've been told mm-hmm. to basically, it's not so much copy, but like it's something I'm exploring within myself where, and it's something I've heard other ADHDs have the conversation around is that because we've been for such a long time, we've been told to, you know, be like the other kids in class, be like your brothers and sisters, act a certain way, do this, do that. To learn all of those things, we have to watch what everyone else is doing to replicate it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the only the only basis that we've been able to kind of, like, be like, okay, this is how I'm meant to act is by looking at others or looking for an example to copy or, like, not so much to copy but to embody to become right Mm -hmm. so when it comes to that question it's a really hard thing because for even on TikTok and stuff like for a really long time I've I think I've been really not sure what my voice was and what the unique aspects of my voice was and I I think in the last probably year I've slowly started stepping into that and stepping outside of the box and it's been really cool to see, but it's also really daunting. And it comes with mm-hmm. that imposter syndrome as well. So I, there is no one, not, not anyone massive to really look to in the ADHD coaching space. So what I'm looking to is what would I need? What would mm-hmm. I want? And it's asking the community, hey, what do you need? <laughs> You know, what do I, it's not what I think you need. It's what do you actually need? Like when you get diagnosed, what's the biggest, what are the next biggest steps that you face? And then then it's like, okay, so then what can you then create that's going to be accessible or even not accessible? What's going to, what different offers can you create to serve that need? Um, But it's been hard. It's been really daunting. And there's, yeah, like I said, the imposter syndrome, the self thoughts. I think that, that, there's that quote that it's like new level, new devil. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you can you can think that you um you've overcome some limiting thoughts and then you get to the next step and you're like, yeah, right. There's a deeper <laughs> level to them. <laughs> There's a whole other devil here. Like this is fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. But what I think is really cool and, and what I, you know, I think I've reflected to you before is while people can see that, you know, if there is a lack of evidence and there is a lack of, um, you know, people doing the same thing and there's a lack of um, example to look to, it's a really easy way to be deterred, right? Whereas you have stepped into this power where it's like, actually, it's fucking powerful that no one's done this before me. I actually get to create what this looks like. And you're doing that by collecting the evidence. You're doing that by the community that you've created. And, you know, with the over, like almost 2 million people across all platforms <laughs> that are like, I love what you're doing and I, and I relate and I can just, yeah, I'm totally just there for whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. So actually seeing you step into that power and seeing that you're like, actually it's a really good thing that I'm creating this path because I get to decide what it looks like. It's yeah. been awesome to watch. Yeah. I think it's, it's a big testament to you too, because I, I don't think I would be where I am right now. I mean, I still, I don't think I know that I wouldn't be where I am right now. <laughs> Had I didn't like, if I didn't have someone in my corner being you actually being able to reflect it is a blind spot like I I did see it as like I don't I don't know how to like navigate this space I knew I wanted to I think at my core I knew that I just had to be myself but I think having you being there and being able to say okay it's almost like you know there's a whole community here where there is no voice there is no one that's Mm. actually like it's not that there's no voice but there's no like there's no clear like I guess there's people that have certain offers and whatnot and certain coaching and stuff, but like there's no massive like thing, the thing that every ADHD knows that like I can go get help with that thing. Like I didn't even know that like ADHD coaching was a thing. I knew that life coaching was a thing and like business coaching was a thing. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been cool. You like kind of like planting those little seeds in my brain, which when you plant a seed in an ADHD's brain, it like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just I feel like I've been in hyper focus for like a it month it turns straight. into like an oak tree <laughs> yeah I'm like oh my god and then it's like I'm trying to build out like 10 different offers in one yeah. <laughs> like I was working on yeah anyway I was working on like four different sales pages at like in one day and I'm like this is too much yeah. <laughs> this is too much well but, I love yeah, it and it's I'm it's bad. an honor and a privilege to yeah. be in your corner so it's lots of fun. <laughs> um, on to you and and the human behind your business. What are some of your daily non-negotiables to look after you as a human? Yeah. So me being an ADHD human, we actually had a really cool conversation around this because, and I think it's a really important conversation to have, right? Because mm-hmm. like I was mentioning before, when you've got ADHD, you have a lot of, I guess, well, in your mind, you have a lot of boxes you have to tick or you think you have to tick to kind of like, I guess, be a good or be the best version of yourself. And one thing I was navigating with you is I kind of saw that as I need to get up at 5am, I need to go for a 10k run, I need to get my 10k steps in, I need to, you know, cook a gourmet eggs on toast kind of breakfast. Like, while this is all epic, that doesn't take into account the random hyper folks I get at 8am when I have a cool random idea. It doesn't bring into the fact that when I've got intense 
you know, my period's coming up and I've got not just the emotional dysregulation that comes with ADHD, you've then got the combination of the two, which heightens it even more. And so it's like, you're dealing with someone that it's not that predictable. Like it really isn't. You could have ate a meal the night prior that just set you in a different zone. And so the one thing that we had the conversation around was, so while there are these non-negotiables and these kind of like boxes that you want to tick every day to look after yourself and that I want to do to look after myself, it's about kind of like finding the core ones and they don't necessarily have to happen in a clear order, right? If I make my bed at midday, that's still making my bed. <laughs> you know, if I, I guess, you know, have my vitamins that I was meant to take in the morning and I have them at five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm still having my vitamins. So I think, and, and it's not having that shame because there's already so much shame around ADHD, right? You've got an emotional outburst. You've got all these things like the last thing you need is shame when you don't wake up at 5 a.m., shame when you forgot to put your alarm on for 5 a.m. and you've slept in you know, shame when you don't know where your shoes are. So you've missed your gym class. Like there's just so much shame. And so it's like, it's just working with that. So when it comes to what I do and kind of like my non-negotiables, there are certain things I do, but they're not in a particular order. So I will make my bed at some point in the day. I will, because it creates a clear space. It's usually in the morning, right? I will take vitamins. So I, I know that there are plenty of benefits from um, and that's one thing I'm working on is learning how to naturally manage my ADHD. So it's taking my vitamins and my supplements and then getting dressed <laughs> is a big one. Having a shower, like having like that self-care. Um, another one is because I do take medication for my ADHD, it's making sure that I have a meal or some kind of food before I have my medication. Um, another one is movement. So for me, it was really important not to have, I guess, a rigid idea of what exercise meant and rather it just be about movement. So moving my body and feeling connected with what my body needs. Some days that might feel like a run. Some days that might be feel like the gym. Last night it felt like foam rolling because my back was sore. So I foam rolled for like an hour. So that's kind of like my non-negotiables. The last one for me, and it's a big one for me, is I do a thing called a daily reset. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to have it happen at like a particular time in the day, but it usually happens in the morning and in the night. So I will make sure my house is like clean in the morning. So then when the chaotic version of me happens throughout the day, <laughs> it's clean and the, but then it gets messy and then I do an evening reset, which is where I clean up. So then it's kind of clean for the morning. So it's just that reset. It's being able to kind of like have that comfortable clean space is a non-negotiable yeah yeah and it makes a huge difference as well especially I think that's a huge one for me where I'm like I actually cannot concentrate until my space is clear and if unless the room feels good like yeah that's a huge one um and I loved our conversation around this topic because I think you know even for people who don't have ADHD there can be so much shame around you know having the perfect morning routine and like you know, going to bed at the at the time that allows you to wake up at 5 a.m. But um, yeah. I know in our conversation it's something that with me as well where it's like sometimes our best ideas come when the world is quiet, right? Like when yeah. everyone has switched off for the night, when there's no more Instagram DMs coming in, when there's no more voxes coming in, like that's the best flow state to be in 
but then yeah. it's like oh but like they have all these ideas coming through but I can't because I have to go to bed because I have to get up at 5 a.m to be like a good person <laughs> yeah <laughs> so exactly. I think that was a huge, I think, takeaway for for both of us where it was like, I know f- for me when I started to implement that, when it was it was like, okay, cool, some nights I'm just in a flow and I'm going to be up until 2 a.m. because I'm just enjoying yeah. what I'm doing and I can yeah. just sleep in the next day, you know, and that can be okay. Yeah, and I think you said that like you, that's not just an AD, it's like it's not just an ADHD thing. Like that happens to my, my partner Barry, that happens to my brother, my housemates, like, I think when there's when there's shame around anything, you you automatically kind of want to avoid it because it's uncomfortable. So then you kind of just end up avoiding the thing that you're trying to do anyway. So it's like just doing it in a it, it's you can still tick the box, even if you don't tick the box. You know, it, it's just like I just I think it's interesting that we've like kind of put this like shame piece around it, where really it's kind of like it it does need to come back to the perspective of like you're doing these things from a self-love standpoint you know you're doing it from a you're healing yourself you're not doing it to tick the box so yeah exactly and and it's more about like okay cool if you stayed up until 2 a.m and did work and then you don't get up at 5 a.m and go to the gym cool but don't wake up and be like oh fuck I hate myself because I didn't get up and go to the gym and I stayed up it's like actually allow yourself to sleep in go to the gym in the afternoon. Like I say this to so many of my clients, like we have gotten to a point where we've been able to create the life that we want to live. We actually have the freedom to stay up until two o'clock working, wake up at 11 and then go to the gym later on the date. Like that's the beauty of what we can do. So it's, it's a massive, a massive piece where it's like actually just allowing yourself like, yes, it's important to have non-negotiables from a sense of like I know this is going to make me feel good I know this is like what's going to be good for my brain I know what's going to be good for my body but like if I don't do it at five o'clock in the morning that's fine too (laughs) yeah yeah and I think that's like it's really like like the non-negotiable I guess conversation like like what I was saying is it really does need to come from that self-love point because like when you set Mm non-negotiables for example in your romantic relationships or your friendships you're not doing it to be like an asshole to yourself. <laughs> you're yeah. doing it to to be like, hey, I actually deserve better. Like I deserve. It's having that intention behind why you've got that non-negotiable. Like I have not like non-negotiables around, you know, friendships around like I just don't step into that, that bitchiness. It's not because mm-hmm. I think I'm better. It's not because the intention simply is it protects my energy and it doesn't make me feel good. So it's coming from, hey, I love myself enough to go, I'm not going to waste my energy. I'm not going to pour it into something that it doesn't need to be poured into. And, like, that's the same thing with, like, these rules and things, I guess, like the non-negotiables in your in your day is it's you make your bed not because you're ticking a box. You make your bed because a clean space is good for your mind. And I yeah. think this is what your course, I'm guessing, your power is about is it's understanding the why. It's understanding why it's good for your brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's and it's not just having a non-negotiable for the sake of it. It's doing it because it's good for you and doing good, like things that are good for you comes from that self-love place. So exactly. Sorry, I'm I love that. Perfect, perfectly tied up with a bow. <laughs> <laughs> um, now onto your socials. So you have, like I said, you've got almost a, a group total of almost 2 million followers and to have that followers and to be creating the content that you're creating 
it's, I guess, a massive assumption that you are a very confident woman with a lot of self-trust and an ease in being able to just be authentically you. Is that the truth? I think there's a piece of that that's the truth. I think that where Mm -hmm. that came from is not necessarily a healthy part. So when you grow up, and sorry to bring ADHD back into it, but when you do grow up with ADHD, (laughs) you do grow up with ADHD or you grow up different, you kind of are like, because I was reflecting on this question, you, you, you grow up different and that means that you automatically don't fit in. So you Mm. actually don't have a choice but to be different. So like being confident or being like who I am and having this self-trust and just showing up as who I am, it wasn't necessarily like this thing I had to work on and like become, it was actually like a survival mechanism. Like I I either like showed up as I was and was disliked or criticized or like, you're too much, you're this, you're that, sit down, be quiet. Or, and, and I took that on and I shut up and I, I guess, became someone I wasn't. Or I was like, well, I guess I don't want to do that and I want to be myself, so I'm just going to be myself. So, and that's what I did throughout my childhood years. And that's why I was removed from so many schools because I didn't shut up. I didn't be quiet. I was like, no, nah, I don't feel like being in class right now because I have so much energy and my legs can't sit still, so I'm going to go. Um and I think, yeah, like, so when I, when it, it is a, it's a two-part question because I am confident and I am authentically myself, but there's a lot of insecurity that comes from that because I know that it's not liked or I know that it's not well accepted. And so there's, yeah, there's, there's truth behind it, but there's also not. And there's been a lot of, I mean, you know, first and foremost, there's been a lot of like self-doubt in in everything I question everything that I do because I've been criticized or I've been I guess questioned for such a long time that like it doesn't make sense for I guess me to be confident because it's like I have to have it all together to be able to be confident so to answer the question I am confident (laughs) but there's definitely work to get there yeah it does. It does. And it's yeah. kind of like now integrating the two. Like I don't necessarily feel a lot of that insecurity as much anymore. And I think actually having the following desensitizes it you to it really quickly. Mm. Um, and that happened really quickly for me. So you either, you, and I think a lot of this comes down to like, you just get to make the choice. Like you just get to make the choice. Every time I see a comment, I can actively make the choice, like a negative comment. I can go, oh, like, God damn it, that means something about me. Or I just go, like, I literally don't even bat an eyelid anymore, like, at all. If someone was to make, like, a full outright really harsh video about me, I'd be like, oh, that's a bit much. But, like, a comment or, like, a message, it's, like, water off a duck's back for me. Um, But I think that's almost, like, helped with the desensitization of it all as well, Mm. Um, that I've just kind of, I've just accepted people will say, say things regardless. And this is the sentence yep. I wanted to say. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you may as well do whatever the hell you want anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think a lot of that also it's, you know, um, having someone say something to you that may be, you know, harsh or, or against what you're saying, there's an element of you being so confident in yourself and so confident in what you're teaching that you just know that what they're saying isn't the truth and you just know yeah. that 
where you know the place that they're coming from isn't fact so I think building that confidence in yourself and building that strength in what you're teaching is so important to be able to have those things come as water off a duck's back you know if someone commented and said this is my favorite analogy I've said it a million times but if someone commented and say hey Tara you have blue hair you'd be like well, no, I don't because you actually don't. So it's like when someone comments and says something about your content or what you're doing and you so strongly believe that that's what they're saying is not the truth, then it doesn't affect you. Yeah. And I think that's it is that when I do post the content I post and what I do share on social media, it is authentic to me that I know that truth so much that like what they do say, I'm like, they've seen a 30 second video of me. They don't know me. You know what I mean? So whereas if I was to be posting content that, you know, if I was to be out here posting content being like, I'm an ADHD superstar and I run 10Ks every morning and get up every (laughs) single morning at 5am. Like, of course, if I was making that content and then someone commented saying, I bet she's lying, I'd be like, oh, they called me (laughs) out because like, yeah it's true but when it it has no truth it holds no weight so yeah Mm, 100% and what do you think is something that these followers these millions of followers wouldn't guess about you from the outside um I guess probably similar to like the like the question you asked me before is that like I guess there is this confidence and this like um I guess like it, this assurance in myself, but the fact is, is that I still do get insecure. I still do have a lot of limiting beliefs. I still like, I, I like to think that I would share quite, like I share quite a bit on social media about like the realness of it all. Um, but like, I still do have like really bad days, like weeks mm. sometimes. Like I've even spoken to you where there's been like four or five days out where I've just been like out. Like I'm just yeah. like not in the headspace for anything. Um, Mm. and I guess like, while I can show components of that on social media, people probably don't think they don't see the five days worth, right. They don't see the really low lows. Um, so yeah, like, I guess that's probably the main thing. Um, I guess maybe another thing is that like, Hmm, I don't know. Maybe that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, if there's if it's this answer uh, if this question is hard to answer it's just kind of an indication that you are being very authentic you know like it's not something that like people can just see you for who you are yeah I was going to say I was going to be like oh you know people probably think that I um I was going to say like work out or like am super healthy but like I guess I don't really share that. So they might not even think that. Maybe that's just something yeah. I'm projecting onto them, to be completely yeah. honest. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't really get on there and say that I work. Yeah. Out, so. We can unpack yeah. that in Voxer later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we have touched on Tara, the business owner, and, and what you have created. And now I actually want to have a conversation with Tara, who is an industry leader in the ADHD space. 
Thank you so much for allowing me to be in your ear holes today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited that you chose to spend a little part of your day listening to my podcast. And I am so grateful that you are here. You are more than welcome to go and follow, subscribe, rate, review, share, all of the things that podcasters are supposed to tell you to do. But what I would most want from you is if you listen to this episode and you thought of someone in your life that you think could benefit from it too, just share it with them. Because there's nothing more powerful than actually sharing the tools with people that they're going to help and that they're going to inspire. That is my life's mission. So if you feel that there is someone who is going to benefit from this information, that's all I ask of you. Have a wonderful day. Love you, bye.